0: Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to
1: $100.
2: We would love to have have Kelvin back. The sky's the limit. He's only going to get better. Uh, because of the way he works
3: you know when you love something as much as he loves football you, you can't help but get better stepping up stepping up fires it deep down field what's calvin ridley calvin's out there calvin's got it
0: five yard line into the end zone touchdown Trevor Lawrence to calvin
3: ridley for the score
2: yeah josh will be a right, 33.
3: Young goes down again and it's josh allen Boy, they're starting to pin their ears back. Fourth sack for this Jacksonville defense. You got to take a competitive football
2: team and turn it into a champion.
0: That's that's not easy, but that's our job. You only get so many windows in this league and and we feel like with the personnel
3: that we have and we we'll continue to add, you know, our window, our windows now. 1010 XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Oh my pocket! Dylan Denmark.
0: We know what's going to get you fired up at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's Trent Balky right out of the gates. Come on. Got to get this thing to a championship level contender. Tony Smith, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Everything fine? Yeah. Well, all good. Your neck of the woods. Pockets! You! What say you? It's a great day in America. Are you popping over there? Or what's oh, going on? Uh, I got some haters, man. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke, kind of. I don't know. Box is talking. Was that a song lyric? Yeah, you it's were a quoting? song. Yeah, it's a song. It's, I, I forget. It. What Et just it? told me you ain't got no
1: haters unless you're popping. Is you? That's, the song. that's and a song. He just says a, it that, like a hundred times about the song. Yeah. All right. So we were talking about Taylor Swift during the break with us and Pross, and I just started singing. You ain't got no haters unless you're popping. Is you?
0: Yeah. That's it. Seems like a mouthful of a name for a song. Myself, Tony. I, I think mm-hmm. I feel like that. But whatever, you know. I, I count on pockets to keep me somewhat in touch with the wisdom. Of Rico Richie. Is that yeah, who it is? It. Yeah, Rico Richie. Yeah. yeah, come on, Tony. Twenty fifteen. I don't want to embarrass you. I <laughs> just throwing that out there. Rico Richie. Twenty fifteen. Does
2: he say that in the song? Is that why you know? That? Yes. Okay. He says it like a hundred times. Yeah.
0: It's is that the like? Uh, it doesn't really matter. We've talked. Way too much about the song this. song's called Popping. Nine years old. <laughs> yeah, I was a senior in high school. All right. Well, there you go. What, what sticks with you? What's your album from your senior year in high school, Tony?
2: Oh, I don't... Uh, Lateralis by Tool. Okay. Yeah. It's fine.
0: Yep. Mine was Unforgettable Fire by U2. That mm-hmm. was the album for my graduating class back in the day. At least my group of friends. That was one we <laughs> leaned into. I still love it. It's still my favorite U2 album. You know, you mm-hmm. set in your ways sometimes. You... Get those preferences when you're young. Oh, you're Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll dig into them today. Um, this is not the main thrust of the conversation, but I was looking at some mock drafts. Mm-hmm. And right now, you can find a lot of people rejecting cornerback for the yes. Jacksonville Jaguars, right? It seems to be coming a more uh, widespread phenomenon. And they may be right. You know, when it's all said and done, we'll find out. They, we don't know how... Things are going to go with Tyson Campbell this offseason. He's only got one year left on his rookie deal. you got not many guys under contract. You've got a coordinator who comes in, depending on whether you believe the numbers or you you believe what Trent Baalke said last week. Either he plays a lot of man or that's overblown Mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Uh, But, for instance, I saw a mock that had the Jaguars taking a corner out of Toledo. Mm -hmm. Uh, is, Is it? Quinion Mitchell, I believe so. Is that how you say it? I I don't I, I, so. Honestly, I don't. I We're didn't watch any Toledo ball, right? Yeah. We're just starting the process, and I I came across this is at CBS, and I'm like, man, how would the Jaguar fan base feel if Quinion Mitchell is the pick? Now, you know me right now, I'm like, ah, do I really want to take a corner out of Toledo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the middle of round one, and then I look at CBS who projected him there to the Jags, and says he's expected to test really well when combined with his physical profile and aggressiveness on the field he should become a staple in first round projections prospect rank twenty ninth <laughs> position rank seventh that always does stand out to me when they give you like here's the fifth defensive end he's ranked seventh among defensive ends why mm-hmm. <laughs> why that guy to this team you know and sometimes there are things like this guy's gonna fit that scheme better. And all that. So I didn't know much about Union Mitchell, right? I know
2: that's who Jeremiah had in his first mock to the Jags, too.
0: Okay, so a couple of guys. So I I went over to Pro Football Network, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a fun little site, profootballnetwork.com. And lo and behold, uh, here's their top five projection to start things off. Drake May at number one. So they're getting spicy right off the bat, right? And who knows, right? We don't know. Uh, Right now, if it were... Being held today, I think 99% of the people would project Caleb Williams would be the first pick. Yes. right. That doesn't mean that the pre-draft process will play out that way necessarily. But all right, well, they got Drake May and they got Caleb Williams too. So pretty good chance they're off the board 1-2 in some order. Likely Williams, May, and Jaden Daniels going three. And I think that right now mm-hmm. seem like the top three quarterback prospects, one, two, three picks. That's why I think it's going to be very hard. Your you're a team like the Falcons, to make that move up into the top three, all those teams, sure. very quarterback needy themselves. Uh, at number four, who else? Marvin Harrison Jr., right? That's who we see, the the best non-quarterback prospect in the draft, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Number five to the Chargers, quarterback, Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo, fifth overall, right? So wow. I, I looked at that, and I was like, huh, you know? And by the time the draft rolls around, we may be going, damn, I wish – Quinnian Mitchell would follow us right Mm -hmm. now. Now, granted, that will be based on what other people tell us about that guy. I don't think you've watched a lot of Toledo football either, unless I'm mistaken there. But just kind of interesting, you know, as you – I'm just starting to ease my way. Every time I see a mock draft, I always go right to the 17th pick, see who they're projecting for Jacksonville. And I'll be honest with you. I'm like a lot of people. I want something splashy and exciting, (laughs) and that doesn't mean it's the best – Selection. It's probably why I would make a bad GM. Hopefully, I would draft, you know, more towards a football team's needs, Tony. But I like what when I see a I like when I see offensive line there because I know how pressing that immediate need seems to be. And I like when I see wide receiver there because mm-hmm. what's not to love about a sexy pick of a wide receiver to go with your young quarterback and all that. So, um, you know, sometimes you see Roma Dunze fall there. I don't in mocks. I don't believe that that will happen. I don't either. But, uh, you know, who knows, right? I, I mean, you also see J.J. McCarthy jumping up into the top. Uh, here at CBS, Adam ranked or uh, projected 13th to yeah. the Raiders. Would you take a quarterback that basically said, hey, turn around and hand the ball off and that's how we're going to go win a national championship? Yeah, on- that's uh, okay. I don't know, man. I, that, that would scare the heck out of me. He and Penix uh, scare the heck out of me for different reasons. I haven't seen enough Adam McCarthy and Penix uh, has that injury history and he's older too. Like, why have you not burst onto the scene more prominently at a younger age? Right. You know, I don't know, man. The good thing is Jag's not in that market, right? But got our own guy to worry about playing better this year in Trevor Lawrence. And I've already seen his name mentioned a lot this morning. And I think deservedly so, right? Uh, Based on today's question of the day. Yesterday, we asked you, which three Jaguars most exceeded your expectations until when we went through it? What did we come up with? About seven guys that you and I felt yep. could even fall into that category. To
2: any degree. Yeah. To
0: any degree, even yeah. if it was very marginal. Yep. you know. Um, and we thought, for us, Allen, Walker, Darius Williams, clear top three. We defined them in a different order than sure. each other. But still, the clear top three. Today, I think this is going to be more wide open. Which three Jacksonville Jaguars fell the most short – of your expectations in 2023, uh, that's totally up to you. And and look, I've seen already a bunch of bulky or whatever. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised you had high expectations for bulky uh, based <laughs> on what the internet <laughs> told me last off season. No one did, but okay, if I'm wrong and you had higher expectations than I thought, masterclass, masterclass. class. Hey, look, I've used it. I, mm-hmm. I'm a troll, right? I <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm I'm looking to troll somebody in any given moment, you know. And uh, so I understand. If you get fed up with me on social media. But uh, I would, you know, Balky makes a good move. I'd throw that hashtag Balky Masterclass Mm -hmm. out there from time to time just because it would kind of stir things up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, certainly uh, for a lot of people, he would fall there or others would say they didn't have high expectations for him to begin with. So let us know today in any of a variety of ways who you think fell the most short, which three Jags fit that category the best for you personally. Who's that, Tommy Mack? No. Uh, what do you got? Anybody I should know about? Uh, do I want to turn around? Jacko out there. Oh, so, Jacko. Yeah. All right, Jack O'Brien. Is he still voice of Florida Field? I don't know. Probably hasn't been for yeah. a while. I don't know. I, not, but I, I don't know, know what the story is with Jacko, but you never know who Jack He certainly the was windows. the voice of Florida
1: Field for he a was. long time. He yeah. was. He was
0: the voice at Alltel Stadium mm-hmm. back in the day as well. Um, <laughs> uh All right, today uh, we got Hayes Caroline stopping by, which will be fun. At mm-hmm. about uh, 1040 this morning, we'll. Reflect on what the GM had to say last week and now uh, Senior Bowl coming up and uh, what the Jaguars' next steps are. Maybe, I don't know, pick up the phone and see if you can get a hold of Josh Allen or his representation. Um, So uh, hit us up today on, let's see, starting with social media, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at 1010XL Denmark.
3: Hold my pocket.
0: Okay, what's the name of that song again? Poppin'. That's what the name of it is, Poppin'. Rico Richie, Poppin'. There you go. That makes more sense. Just simply pop (laughs) it. Tap it into YouTube and pop it right up. I'll pop it right up. I don't think I could play it because I can't find a clean version on YouTube to come Ah, back with it, so it's not going to happen right here. But I would if I could. All right. Uh, We appreciate that effort. You know, you could always beep it yourself. That'd be a lot of work. Uh, Hit us up today on the phone lines, the All-Pro Roofing phone lines at six four one ten ten. If you want to get in, talk Jaguar football or... NFL uh, playoff football, Super Bowl matchup, anything like that, pending free agents, all the like. Uh, also, the YouTube chat uh, and that number 6411010. Good for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. I think I threw them all out there. You probably know them by now. If you're inclined to interact with this program, uh, we give them out to you every single day. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. Hayes Carline in about 25 minutes to talk Jaguar football with you. Tell us which three Jags fell the most short. Of your 2023 expectations. Your Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.
3: Now more Jaguars Today on 1010XL.
0: All right, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you. Hayes Carline will be along in uh, 20 Mm minutes-ish. I saw this piece, uh, Tony, uh, from yesterday. Uh, Chad Ryder put it out. Yesterday evening, we were talking about Chad. Uh, yesterday, when we were looking at multiple round mock drafts from last year, in terms of Antonio Johnson, but uh, he's out at the East West Shrine Bowl. Same. Man. So I used to watch everything when I was younger, right? Mm-hmm. The East West, the the uh, the blue gray, whatever. Have the blue gray game? I that, don't know. That game just disappear. Yeah. I, get rebranded. Never heard of it. You never heard of the blue gray game? No. Obviously, it was like teams north of the mason dixon line versus teams south of the mason dixon line hey let's stir up some civil war rivalry shall we and (laughs) and we'll call it a bowl game um and i used to watch all that stuff man you know and you'd watch it and you'd hope to get a handful of bigger school Mm -hmm. prospects that you're interested in seeing uh it seems like we're just talking on the break a lot of these the Senior Bowl, these All-Star games, they've yeah. got a deeper pool to pull from. Look, it from. looks
2: like Blue-Gray's been discontinued. Has it? Okay. Yeah. It, I think it didn't get played the COVID year. They brought it back oh, is that right? one that, year after that. Did and it then, stay that long? Yeah. And then, apparently, they couldn't find sponsors for the game. And they said, all right, we're done doing the Blue-Gray game.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but it, it does seem like now with COVID, right, you had guys having – Longer college careers in this era. I mean, there's so many of these guys. Yeah. We're talking about Bo Nix going to senior bowl, right? So many of these quarterbacks coming out now. They're 24 years old already. If yeah. not, I mean, Trevor Lawrence turned 24 in October. He's got three NFL seasons under his belt. Mm-hmm. No matter how you feel about Trevor Lawrence, uh, how strongly you feel about him as the future of this organization. It's, it's you know, these guys coming in, um they're going to have an adjustment period usually, you know, and imagine like casting your lot with a 25 year old rookie quarterback. I mean, it can work, right? I mean, if you get 10 good years out of them, who cares, but (laughs) it it just, I don't know, man. you, You have to wonder, are some of those guys maxed out a little bit and they're 24, 25 year olds playing against, 18, 19, 20 year olds in a lot of cases. That's sure. That's a massive difference. Yeah. at that age.
2: And I know I've seen Jim Nagy with the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Like I've seen him talking about this that the basically day 3 of the draft, you know, teams would be better off moving now, right? To get up ahead of that because their junior class just isn't declaring for the draft. They're staying in. Because there's money in college. There's the football money now, now, right? And you're getting all the extensions because of the COVID stuff that was going on. So right now the NFL draft on day three is still being apparently impacted by a bunch of the the rules that college football has had to deal with here for the last couple of years. I the seniors are the seniors, right? At some point you gotta leave school, right? If you're gonna play or try to play in the NFL. And yeah, I do think there's a whole lot more of the Guys that are coming into the NFL that are going to be 23, 24, 25 years old as opposed to a bunch of juniors declaring early for the draft being ready to go. Like it's just a it's a there's not as much of that as there has typically been. I know, you know, we were uh, talking about the the corner there that was getting mocked to the Jags Quinion and Mitchell is a junior. Right? I don't think there's a bunch of those kind of guys, but right. those kind of guys that are going to declare for the draft it's because they're being talked about being a day 1 day 2 pick.
0: Or in his case maybe a top half of day 1. Right. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. Um look, maybe we can turn 9 picks into 13 again <laughs> this year and we can be <laughs> just rich with right. all those 6th yeah. and 7th rounders. Let's hope not. Mm. Um is this does this sound right to you I'm looking I just did a quick Google search on Jaguars draft picks this year, right? We know they're going to lose their second or third round pick as part of the Ridley compensation. Yes. Let's presume it's the third. Okay. So they'd have their first and second. They're likely to get a compensatory third round pick for Juwan Taylor. So, mm-hmm. but that's at the end of the round. They have a fourth rounder from new Orleans. You recall that? That's what it's, I see here. Got a I full remember.
2: One. Was that one of the ones they traded last year? I don't, I don't know.
0: I'm not sure. Maybe it was. Maybe it was one of those deals where they moved a a pick and they picked up a fourth rounder. Yeah. That's probably what it was, is my guess. Um, They've got their own fourth rounder, Mm -hmm. fifth, sixth, and seventh. So they basically have their full contingent of picks except for the third rounder. Probably get a sixth rounder for Arden Key. uh, Get a late third for Jawan Taylor. So... Let me run through. Here's a, a piece by Chad Ryder, as I was mentioning, at NFL.com on folks that stood out at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Just tell me, this is more not about the prospect in particular as opposed to the position and the type of player he is uh, and whether or not you think at any point okay. that would make logical sense for the Jags. I'll start with Malik Washington. Okay, He's a five-eight and a half, 192 192-pound wide receiver. They say, if you don't jam him, forget it. It's over with, right? He just You cannot stop him from separating. But uh, would the Jags be in the market for a 5'8", 192-pound receiver? I don't
2: think they need another slot, no. Right? I
0: mean, that's with Kirk and Washington on the yeah. roster, I, I can't believe they'd even look, glance in that direction. Probably right? not. Uh, now, who knows? Everybody becomes a value at a certain point. Sure. Um, Dylan McMahon, offensive lineman. <laughs> yes, Dylan. Uh, he'll be the second most popular Dylan in Jacksonville mm-hmm. if we draft him. Uh, <laughs> a 6'3", we'll call him 6'3", 295-pounder. He's a center. Okay, we're interested in center. Sure. But what do we think about Luke Fortner? Gets pushed around, right? Needs to be stronger, mm-hmm. right? Trent Balky said uh, this whole weight training regime needs to be more of a year-round competition with these guys. Do we need a 295-pound center? It's at the, at the final line in the write-up is, looks like an eventual NFL starter. Hmm. I could see this being the kind of guy that, because I don't think, Tony, like we'd sit here and go, hey, you know what, if the right center's there in round two, we'd make that move. I don't know if they feel the same way. And certainly I don't have any indication that they do based on the public comments they make about Luke Fortner. They could be keeping their cards close to the vest, but this seems like the kind of a pick that you could spend – Now, I don't know where he'll end up going, but if you could get in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, a guy like that who's a developmental, bring him along, put him on the practice squad for a year, I could absolutely see something like that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, By the way, I just went to Pro Football Reference just to be reminded of the size, right, on Luke Fortner, uh, which is 307. They list him at 6'6", 307 is what he's listed at. Yeah. They also still on Pro Football Reference list his position as guard. Do they now? I was like, what? He started every game at center for two years. What?
0: what? Yeah, I <laughs> don't know. That's where Pro Football Reference usually does a pretty bang-up job. Yeah. Right? That, that does seem like one slipped through the cracks. That's that small market bias, Tony. I, that has to be. End. I
2: don't know how else to explain that. That's crazy. All right,
0: crazy. Let, me, let me go through these guys. Darius Muasau. Okay, if I'm saying it right, he's a linebacker from UCLA. Linebacker, no. I mean, we don't need, We can't yeah. be drafting linebacker, right? I mean, we're presuming Foye Aluakon is back with the team, uh, and I, I just can't imagine we're spending anything. I mean, you can't tell what's going to happen in the sixth and seventh round. You take a guy maybe for special teams traits or whatever, but sure. doesn't seem like this would be no. a priority guy for the Jags. Uh, Christian Boyd, Northern Iowa defensive tackle. 320 pounds, mm-hmm. right? Smaller school guy, uh, but um, said he held his own and actually performed very well against a lot of big 10 offensive linemen in practice. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, okay. I could yeah. see a, you know, a 320 pounds space eater at some point, particularly if they move off of one of the contracts that they have now, you know, mm-hmm. you think we're going to see all those guys. You think we'll see fully fought back with the team. Uh,
2: I- there's the financial makes it feel like that's more likely than not to me
0: that he will be, yeah, because you don't get a huge cap save, yeah, you don't save
2: anything by save him cash go, though a
0: little bit Shad Khan had saved twelve million, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, on having to pay fully fought to Kassi. um that's presuming he doesn't have any guaranteed money in the deal, but uh, yeah, the yep. cap hits like ten million, so you don't save a whole lot, uh all right, Trajan Jeff Coat. Edge rusher out okay. of Arkansas, six four two sixty six. Last year, we talked about edge rush, edge rush, edge rush. No doubt. They didn't really add any, except for Yasir Abdullah, who didn't do anything, who's already gotten a number of mentions for one of the most disappointing players for last year. And today's question of the day, uh, do they need to continue to address the edge rushing position?
2: Yeah, certainly.
0: Yeah, I think so, right? At I, some point, yeah. I don't see it being a first. Or, uh, like, when you have two double-digit sack guys, not going to be a first round pick. Like if Jared Burris is sitting there at 17, yeah. I don't think they're going to. I think, you know, they, they'll have already addressed their board on where he falls. But if a pass rusher like that is there, I think they're looking somewhere else or maybe trading back. Likely. Potentially. Um, Sundiata Anderson, another edge rusher. Mm-hmm. So sure, why not? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know much about him other than he went to Grambling. Um, 249, some more in the year, Seer Abdullah's size. Okay. Right there. How about this? Brandon McManus is gone. Mm -hmm. Would you hate it if they spent a sixth-round pick on a kicker? No. I wouldn't. Like, if it's like a sixth-rounder, like, think of how many impact fifth, sixth, and seventh-rounders this team has had in recent years. Not many. Not many. Right now, Antonio Johnson looks like he may be a good one. I get it. Parker Washington, we think, is a good player. I'm not saying just throw everything else out, but Cam Little, the kicker out of Arkansas, uh, drawn rave reviews and is likely to be a draft pick this year. And, and look, we still see teams taking kickers in the third and fourth round yeah. from time to time. That's too rich for my blood. This team's nowhere near that. But if it's the sixth or seventh round, that's a little bit of a different story. No and doubt. Final guy here in the piece, uh, Jabari Small, running back out of Tennessee. I can't see. I, I mean, Running back. They've spent draft picks on running backs the last two drafts. They've got to get something out of Tank Bigsby this year. You could go find another Dearness Johnson veteran one-year deal type guy if you need to, and that's probably the route I would think they would go to finish out the three-man rotation.
2: I think running back is the easiest position to find impact late in the NFL draft. I think there are guys that you can draft fixed fifth, sixth, seventh round and name them the starter and you're fine in all likelihood. Right. You can go pick up somebody in free agency that you're basically paying veteran minimum to come onto your roster. That can be fine as your starter at that position. I think it's becoming less and less valuable to invest early in an NFL draft on those things. I have no problem with ETN. I think he's a good, great player at the position, but even that like it's I don't think ETN's here for a second contract. I don't either. Like, they may pick up the fifth-year option on Travis ETN, but I'm not positive that they'll even do that. But I, I think it's likely that they'll pick up the fifth-year option on ETN. But I think once that's done, he's out the door, and you find somebody else may- to come maybe in. maybe it's
0: Tank Bigsby who's the next man up. Or it's three guys. Or it's right, right. It's three guys, or it's a rookie that you draft in the fourth round right, but two years from now.
2: I'm okay With taking a look at running back late in the NFL draft, I don't even think they need to do that with how their roster is currently constructed. No, I think they
0: have too many holes to fill and needs to fill. I mean, bring in some undrafted rookie free agents. Usually one or two of those guys pop every single year somewhere. Look at Keaton Mitchell in Baltimore this year prior to his injury, right? Had an explosive element that he added to that Ravens running game. That's a guy... I forgot about him, you know, and we were talking about him last night and the the Ravens' running game next year and where it's going to go, and that is a piece that they will get back next year. Uh, Of course, Todd Munkin has to be willing to hand the ball to the running backs for it to matter. Uh, Certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't this past weekend. All right, we'll hand the ball to the Hammer Hayes Carline, and he will uh, regale us with his thoughts on what Trent Baalke had to say last week and just kind of some of these starting to – look ahead to what the Jags needs are and how they're going to fill them, whether that's going to be draft or free agency and what kind of player that they should be interested in when the NFL draft rolls around later on this offseason. Hazel, join us coming up next with Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. Keep it right here on Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
3: Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line.
1: You can't touch this.
3: Jaguars Today on 1010XL Hammer time. Do not call him Hayes Carleone. He is
0: Hayes Carlion of the Frangie Show. Jaguars embedded reporter, the hammer. Jaguar questions or nails. You know who's got the hammer. Hayes, good morning. How are you?
1: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you all today? I we're
0: happy to have you on board. And uh, I was just looking for that hammer emoji so I can tweet out stop hammer time with Hayes coming on, (laughs) Uh, but everything's good, man. Everything's groovy. Uh, You know, uh, I I know because I've heard you on uh, various shows since then, but we haven't had you on since Trent Baalke spoke uh, that, you know, what your comments have been about that. But just uh, in terms of taking at face value, Hayes, we'll start there. Like his relationship with Doug Peterson, uh, the Doug Peterson – Having final sign off, it's it's his coaching staff. You know, despite the fact that the the scuttlebutt was this was a bulky selection of Ryan Nielsen, those kind of things. Um, do you take him at face value, even if it's not what maybe you expected going into it?
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think in looking at it, there certainly is uh, issues with the front office and 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 coaching. I mean, in terms of how bulky presented it and. You know, Doug has never really gone in on the front office. Uh, to his credit, so I, but I can't imagine he doesn't have his own complaints. And uh, you know, it was one of those things that you know, if you're Trent Baalke, you're you're the leader of the organization. You you just can't get up there and take such little accountability for what happened here and and this collapse. And unfortunately, that's what he did. He had a he, he did have one statement early on where he said something to the effect of, look, look no further than here in terms of, you know, what went wrong. But then, you know, on multiple occasions from there, every answer where it was a personnel mistake, it was like, well, I don't live in the past. I don't live in regret. And you just can't be a leader like that. You can't wait 17 days to talk. You know, when the head coach talked, you know, right after the season, you got to be right there with Doug. And that was a mistake. And so it's just been, and and it led to the Josh Allen camp getting upset. So because of their incompetence, it led to player acrimony that should have never occurred because Trent Baalke should have talked when Doug Peterson talked at the end of the year. and, uh, And then you look like a united front. But when Doug Peterson talks right after the season ends, and Trent Baalke waits two and a half weeks, and then he goes on and on about how the coaches failed to establish any sort of identity, uh, you've got a problem. And, uh, and look, Trent Baalke isn't the only problem. Press Taylor is a problem, too. I mean, not Press Taylor, but Doug Peterson's insistence on delegating the offense to him is a problem, clearly, because they regress. And so my concern is the Jaguars have two different problems, I think, in massive positions. And, and can they work together? But, but just can they work at all at uh, it, it, it a high enough level to win? I mean, this team isn't that far off. They they You know, you look at, at the ground game. They ran for 3.6 yards a carry. They allowed 4.2. I mean, that's pathetic, yet they still won nine games. So, I mean, there there is something to work with here. But I, I think they've got two different problems that are both glaring and Frankly, I'm concerned moving forward about how it'll work.
2: Yeah, and at some point, somebody in the organization has to be willing to call it regression, right, for that problem to even be seriously addressed. What do you expect at this point for the timeline to be for a deal with Josh Allen to get done?
1: It's, you know, if if it was a, if it was, if they were doing business the right way, the deal would be, I think, getting close to being done. There's no reason to, to stop the deal from getting done. He did everything you could have asked for, and you have to reward him for that. And you should want to reward him for that. Uh, it shouldn't be a chore. And uh, you know, and, and it, 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 it feels like with Trent Baalke, it's pulling teeth to, to get a deal done. I mean, how you go you know, 17 days and then get up in front of reporters and say, well, I haven't started talking to him about it yet. Uh, I mean, how did he think that was going to go over with Josh Allen's camp? Yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, just make a phone call and say, hey, I'm talking to the media today and uh, I'm going to update him on where we're at. And I know we haven't started anything. It's been hectic around here, as you can imagine. But but he is our Josh is our top priority. and We really want to get something done. He doesn't do that. So, um, you know, and, and looking at it, I mean, I'd like to think the deal is going to get done soon. There's no reason to drag this out. I understand that. You know, this is a deadline league and, you know, it, there are certain times where you want to be tough at the negotiating table. I don't think this is one of those times because the player gave you everything he could have given you. He rewrote your record book. And so you, you pull up contracts, uh, recent signed contracts at that position, players that are comparable, and you go from there and you bump them a little bit from that. And that's how this business works. And that's what they should do. But obviously, they have until February 20th to, uh, you know, to, to try and get something done. Then the tag window opens. They have until March 5th to actually ap- apply the tag to Josh. So I think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be that it's you know we're into March and we still don't really know exactly what's going to happen. And again, I, I think that's a I think that's the poor way to do business. I just think with with a situation like that, get in front of it pay him what he's earned and uh and and lock him up for the prime years of his career. I mean, you're going to have Josh Allen at years 27, 28, 29 with this new deal. I uh, that should excite you. It shouldn't be something like, "Oh god, I can't believe I have to pick up the phone and make a deal with Josh Allen's agent." I just but that's the vibe that Bulky puts out. All right, well, let's
0: say it goes that way, Hayes, and <clears throat> come March 4th or 5th, they apply the franchise tag to Josh Allen. Now, uh Trent Bulky I felt like he raved about Calvin Ridley in this press conference, right? He loves ball. He's all about oh, ball, yeah. right? His kind of guy. And and granted, it's a bulky acquisition, so he's talking up the guy that he brought in here. But it seems pretty evident that he'd like him back here in Jacksonville. But if it goes the route where Josh Allen gets a franchise tag, I mean, it's possible, Hayes, that... Kevin Ridley is the most attractive veteran free agent out there or among the top two or three at the very least. What kind of odds do you get the Jags on being able to successfully negotiate a deal with him that brings him back here when they're competing against other clubs that have a need as well?
1: It's very low. Uh, by the way, Evan Ingram was just announced to the Pro Bowl, so congratulations to Evan. Um, the, uh, it, it's very low. And uh, because of what you're saying, I mean, you just don't know what one of these other clubs, we obviously, you know, what Atlanta, you know, they're not going to make a move up towards them. But of the other 30, you don't know. And there's going to be teams. We see it every year in free agency. This franchise has been one of those teams many years going into that part of the offseason where they're just going to shell out ridiculous money for a player that you'd look at their resume and say, wow, it doesn't seem like that player's really earned that, but that's free agency. and so. If they tag Josh Allen, I I just don't know how you can confidently say you're gonna get Ridley back. I mean, when you get five or six other teams that are desperate for receiver help that are gonna pay him probably way more than what his numbers would suggest. So again, it's just it just doesn't make sense if, if obviously you want Josh Allen, you, you can't afford to have him at the market. So it just doesn't make sense that you wouldn't pay Josh Allen, which they're perfectly capable of doing. It doesn't it doesn't cripple them in terms of the cap at all. Uh, pay Josh Allen, and then you can tag Calvin Ridley and protect you know your two most vital free agents, and then try and work out a deal with Ridley over the summer.
0: I'm with you. Uh, it makes all the logical sense in the world, but. And again, we don't always live in those times. Uh, Hayes is this good, Tony. He is talking to us. He's monitoring his email, <laughs> much like one of these fellows you see on TV constantly scrolling through their phones. And uh, we did receive that. Evan Ingram is a replacement for Travis Kelsey, uh, who obviously have other things on his mind over the next couple of weeks. Uh, preparing for Super Bowl 58. So congrats to Evan. Well-deserved. No
2: doubt. Uh Look, Hayes, we know they're going to have needs on the offensive and defensive lines. They got needs in the secondary, possibly wide receiver, depending on what happens with Calvin Ridley uh, going into free agency. Where do you expect them to spend money in free agency to address those needs as compared to where you expect that to happen in the draft?
1: I think it's got to be big guys. I mean, I, and that's one thing that, that bulky said that, I mean, he's dead on about, I mean, they've, they've got to get bigger. They've got to get stronger. I mean, it's been a, a talking point. I know for you guys and the whole fan base for many months now, I mean, they just got pushed around. I mean, again, you can't get away from the stat of when you ran it, you averaged 3.6 yards a pop. When they ran it, they averaged 4.2. This team's lucky. They weren't six and 11 uh, based on that stat alone. And so, uh, again, the fact that they won nine games, it speaks to the talent they have here. And uh, that's got to change. That number's got to get much more even to even, ideally, where you're in the positive there. And the only way that's going to happen is you've got to get big bodies. I think they have the, the back. I mean, I think they have ETN. I think they have the threat of the pass with Trevor and the receivers. So, uh, you know, the failure of the run game is on the offensive line and the system. And, uh, and then defensively, the 4.2 is because you got some bad defensive tackles that, you know, need to be replaced. I, I heard you guys talking about Fadakasi. I mean, I know it doesn't save him much. There's no chance I'd bring him back. I mean, he just hasn't been any good for two years. So, uh, you know, I'd replace him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the good news is the, the things that they need to do in free agency are not positions of sizzle. So they should be able to add at least one lineman, quality lineman on both sides of the ball in free agency. And that will certainly help. Uh, and my guess is they're able to add probably multiple on both sides of the line so that when they get to the draft, the 17th pick, you know, it's going to be a little harder to uh, figure out what they're going to do. The good news about the collapse, if there is any, but the silver lining, I guess, is that by picking 17th, which is way earlier than what any of us thought they would, you could still get special at 17. Uh, if if a, certainly you could take the best interior offensive lineman off the board, you probably have a good chance at the top interior defensive tackle off the board. So that would help them. But if they want to go, I mean, a player like Jared Verse. If Jared Verse is there at 17, I don't know how you don't take him. If you know Keon Coleman is there at 17. I think you'd have to think really, really long about it. Certainly corner uh, could be there could be a a corner sitting there at 17 that you feel like is a special player. So uh, I I don't think the the, there is a path for them to, to have a successful off season. And it's not going to require a bunch of amazing things happening, but they have to identify the right guys. And when they pick them, they then have to develop them. And I, I just have, Real concern that they can do either one of those things
0: right now, and that's fair. But you know, when people say, "Hey, look, it doesn't matter because bulky's back; doesn't matter what they do." Well, it does matter. Right? You're right. There is a path that even with bulky here, that if he does some of the logical things we think he should do, even if right now we're like, "Oh, that seems kind of dumb," he hasn't talked to Josh Allen's representatives. If they get a deal done by March fourth or fifth, it's water under the bridge at that point, right? So, I Absolutely. mean, it can still happen, and I'm yeah. still going to remain hopeful. I'm not. Blind, I'm not naive, but uh, let me ask you this, Uh, A's. Last year, uh, I guess two seasons ago, you had this great brain-trusted quarterbacks around Trevor Lawrence, right? And that included Jim Bob Cooter. And he left. And Nick Holtz came in as the passing game coordinator. The Titans are looking at him as a potential offensive coordinator candidate, which is interesting. And, you know, I've heard that, you know, in the last few days that he's been well-regarded around the National Football League, um, uh, it would be another coaching change around Trevor Lawrence, although not head coach or coordinator level, but, uh, or even quarterbacks coach, but would this be a significant loss for the Jags in your opinion?
1: Uh, if Jim Bob Cooter went to Tennessee,
0: no, if Nick Holtz did who replaced Jim Bob Cooter.
1: I- I'm sorry, Mike. I'm, I'm if the Colts took who Nick Holtz,
0: the passing game. coordinator. Oh, Nick
1: Holtz. I'm sorry. I got you. Uh, i I mean, obviously, I, I think it's it's not ideal, but I I don't think it it doesn't drastically change anything. I mean, the the biggest thing is, and, and hopefully the hiring of Ryan Nielsen will allow Doug to do this. Doug has to get way more involved in the offense. Yeah. I mean, this was this was a guy who they averaged 23.8 points a game his first year when they had the great season, uh, and then I mean, all off season he's talking about. You know, well, we want to get we want to add six points to that. We want to get to, you know into the high twenties, which would have been right about the the league leaders. Well, not only did they not do that, they regressed by a point and a half. They went to twenty two point two points. They had eight more giveaways. So the offense went in reverse. So I mean, Doug's got to This is a Doug problem. Doug's got to say, I, I'm I'm an offensive guy. I'm taking over the offense and Ryan Nielsen is here, and he can take care of the defense, and I'll sink or swim with him on that side of the ball. But I think Doug wanted to take more of a macro, you know, head coach, Mm -hmm. CEO approach and delegate a lot of stuff. Well, that didn't work because the guy that you picked can't do it. Is there
2: a position in free agency or the draft, Hayes, that you think should be discussed more than it has been to this point?
1: I think the corner debate is really interesting because I I don't see it as the biggest need, but I will say I, I'm I I certainly see it as a need, and and it's such a deep spot that I uh, again if they're able to let's say they add a center a right guard in free agency along with let's say at least one defensive tackle if not two, I uh, so you feel better about that I. Uh, I, I could see corner at 17 making a lot of sense because you don't know uh, really what you're, I mean, you think Tyson Campbell's a good player and, and just was battling through some injuries, uh, but what looked like a sure thing now doesn't look so sure. And on the other spot, you, you really are going to have an opening coming up. So uh, corner is one that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing. And, and look, you're now in a division with CJ Stroud, who looks like he could be a superstar. And we'll see what happens with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. But, uh, you know, there's going to be a premium in your division this offseason on getting weapons for Stroud, uh, getting uh, more weapons in Indy, and certainly weapons are going to be the top priority for Tennessee offensively. Uh, So, you know, corner, I think, makes sense. You've got to play the game in the division. And so in looking at it, I think adding a corner at 17 from a a defense standpoint, reacting to what you believe the division's going to do, makes a lot of sense as well.
0: All right, Hayes, we'll wrap up with this. A question on Twitter from Robert uh, at Jags Nationwide asked, uh, with new scheme coming in, are there any young players on defense that disappointed last year that you think this new uh, defense coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, his scheme will suit them and bring out the best in them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I mean, I think Antonio Johnson is certainly exciting. So I'm I'm intrigued to see. I'm I'm assuming Rayshawn Jenkins will be released. So I think Johnson becomes a, a starter there. I, you know, I thought Devin Lloyd took steps. I mean, because part of that was he was so bad and lost as a rookie. But I do think in year three, Devin Lloyd is somebody that there's still better football to come from from Devin. Uh, Trayvon played really well. So I don't know that he'd qualify for this question, but yeah, I think Trayvon Walker is going to be a much better player next year. And, and he had a, a good season this year. Uh, so, uh, you know, players like that, I would say would be the ones off the top of my head that, uh, you know, that I'd like to see, I'd like to see something from Lacey, but it was so little as a rookie that, you know, that one's one that, you know, I, I'm I'm a little reserved on, but hopefully uh, they'll be able to find something out of the fourth rounder.
0: Yeah, hopefully they'll be able to find something out of a number of draft picks that didn't give them much of anything last year, but uh, that is a story that will have to play out over time. Moving forward, Hayes Carline with the Frangie Show. You get him every afternoon here, weekdays at 3 p.m. Uh, Hayes, always appreciate your insights. All the best until the next time.
1: Thanks so much, guys. Take care.
0: Thank you, buddy. You can find Hayes on social media at his name, Hayes Carlion, C A R L Y O N. Some people say Carlion, but that's Mm -hmm. the fancy way of saying it, Tony. It's like a Royale with cheese, uh, kind of like that's the version that we get sometimes with the hammer. Sometimes, yeah. All right. If you want to get in, uh, anything you heard, you want to react to six four one ten ten. Easy way to do that. Congrats to Evan Ingram. If you missed that, uh, was named as a Pro Bowl alternate for Travis Kelsey. That was not unexpected that that would be coming down the line. And uh may not be done on that front either. All right, so uh we'll continue into hour number two, six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing Phone Lines. This is Jaguars Today on ten ten XL and ninety-two point
3: five FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags, Jaguars Today on 1010XL.
1: Doug has to get way more involved in the offense yeah. I mean this was this was a guy who they averaged 23.8 points a game this first year when they had the great season and then I mean all off season he's talking about you know well we want to get we want to add six points to that we want to get to you know into the high 20s which would have been right about the, the league leaders well not only did they not do that they regressed by a point and a half Doug's gotta it's, this is a Doug' problem Doug's gotta say I, I'm I'm an offensive guy I'm taking over the offense.
0: I don't disagree with that, Tony, but I also don't think it's going to happen. Like, Doug Peterson has got a history of being loyal to his staff, right? And I I wonder if he wouldn't see that as some kind of, like, disloyalty to Press Taylor. I'm not saying that should be his thought process. I'm just wondering if it won't be his thought process. I, I, you know, if Press fails... Is that not a direct reflection on Doug? And if it's going to get to that, and you're going to ultimately have it cost you your job somewhere down the line, wouldn't you be better off putting your own stamp on it? I think we all would like to see Doug Peterson take a more hands-on approach with the offense this year. I don't know that that's going to happen.
2: I doubt that it will um, at this point. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned, there talking going back through that conversation with Hayes, we I. We talked about the for the problems that they have, especially in the offensive side of the ball to be fixed. They first have to acknowledge exactly what the problems are. Right. Right. The regression that they went through, what caused it to happen, the different factors that may have played into the offense taking a step back this season as opposed to taking a step forward like many expected it to. The offensive side of the ball was where all the expectations were for the team coming into this year and it way underperformed what the expectation was mm-hmm. on on that side of the football well you have to call it a regression first and everything we've heard from coach peterson to this point is you know it's really hard to call plays right like we've heard him say that it's like i know everyone's complaining about x y z but it's like it's really hard it's like okay i'm not saying that the job is easy the question is did they do it well enough that nothing needs to change. And do they have a
0: better alternative already
2: on the staff in you? Right. And we we talked about it at some point in the season, right? I mentioned it was one of the games coming out of it where, you know, they're really aggressive on fourth down. They're taking opportunities to go for it instead of kicking field goals, that kind of thing. And I said it on the show. I was like, when Doug Peterson gets, Doug Peterson gets fired, this is it. Right, it's this kind of stuff. It's finally going to be a bridge too far. It's going to be everyone's going to be like, I'm done with it. I can't take any more of this. It's going to be that and his loyalty to press. Like that, those are going to be the reasons when Doug is gone. That Doug is gone, right? When those finally become bridges too far for Shad Khan to maintain the status quo in those areas, that's when Doug Peterson is going to lose his job. I think a lot more people are already there with Press Taylor. It's already past that point. They're like, I'm done. Like, I think Doug Peterson is a good enough offensive mind that if he retakes control of that side of the ball, I want to see what that looks like again. For him being in control of the offensive side of the ball, I want to see what that looks like again. If it means he has an offensive coordinator in name only, fine. Let's see what that looks like for Doug Peterson, but I don't have any expectation that that's the direction they're willing to go at
0: this No, point. I don't either. At the moment, somebody on the uh, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosure said, why don't the Jags go out and throw the money at Mark Burnell? Bring him in as passing game coordinator. He's obviously done a good job with Goff. He, we're there, he's the quarterback's coach in Detroit. Yeah, right. I'll be honest with you, Tone. Quarterback's coach, offense coordinator, passing game coordinator. I'm not sure where the the lines are drawn mm-hmm. between them and how much one blurs into the other. You know what? Like, I don't yeah. know what the demands are. I don't know exactly what's delegated to who. I assume Mike McCoy, as a quarterback's coach, he's working directly with Trevor Lawrence more on his mechanics, yeah. thought process of being a quarterback, what did you see, different things. Like, it's not about the offense as a whole, so I get that, right? Mm-hmm. But the passing game coordinator, as compared to the offensive coordinator, right, is he say all right, here's where I see the book of pass plays that we have, and then you compare that with your run game core. I don't yeah. know. I, I really – I it, th- that's a little blurry for me on exactly yeah. what those responsibilities are. Everyone um,
2: comes in with their ideas on Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and, just, and look, I don't know. Here's the
0: thing. People over the years – and I understand it. I totally get it. You love your Jaguar legends, right? Wanted Keenan McCardell to stay as wide receivers coach. Uh, Fred Taylor makes the googly eyes on Twitter – when Bernie Parmley gets fired and we're like, hey, let's make Fred the running back's coach. Well, I get it. I do. But I also get that Doug Peterson may not have that kind of relationship, you know, that, like, he's going to go to guys that he knows, that he trusts, and he's probably worked with in the past. In terms of throwing the money at Mark Burnell, I don't know. uh, Like, I think he does probably deserve some credit because Jared Goff has been good the last couple years. I don't know Mm -hmm. how much credit belongs to him how much belongs to Ben Johnson, how much belongs to Dan Campbell, how much is the fact that they simply have a really nice group of skill position players that are all growing together around him? I think it's some of all that. I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea. I just, you know, I'll be honest with you. I really didn't know much about Nick Holtz when he came in here and don't know that much about him on his way out. I honestly was surprised that anybody would look at the Jags and go, hey, let me interview their passing game coordinator for offensive coordinator. That sounds like the case of Brian Callahan, the new Titans coach. Yeah. Just had as a relationship with Holtz or has had his eye on him for a while as a guy he'd like to work with.
2: And who knows what's going to happen with Detroit and their coaching staff at this point anyway. They just got done. Right. Right. And Ben Johnson is a candidate for the two open head coaching jobs that are there right now. Right. You know, he's interviewing with Washington. Uh, again this week like it and he may be gone and I don't know how serious the candidate Mark Brunella is for OC right is he a candidate at all or right. or could he don't be the leading know. candidate or right. something in between no idea and they in Detroit have to have some idea of how serious the idea of Ben Johnson not being the OC going into the future is that how much of a candidate he is for a couple of these jobs and how likely it is that he's going to be a head coach here in the next couple of days, as opposed to the offensive coordinator for the lions and looking at their in-house options and the outside the building options. They're not talking to those guys yet. Not right. a, not because they can't until Johnson is, or isn't the offensive coordinator. They can't do any of those things. But I do think for anyone out there that's saying we'll offer Brunell XYZ, it's like, well, Detroit may be able to offer him OC in three days.
0: Right. And that's fine though. And I, I think what they're saying, like if he, if there's a chance would he be a candidate right i if he's a candidate i could understand why i i, I could yeah. understand why too and again i don't I, like i really don't know what they're saying about mark Brunell in nfl circles i do think just if you're the quarterback's coach and you go to a team where the quarterback performs well for 2 years i got to presume you've done a pretty damn good job i would think at yeah. what you're doing you know but is he you know a i would assume look as well if you want to take a job as a quarterbacks coach, it's probably more involved to be an offensive coordinator, but why wouldn't you have designs on being that, right? Yeah. And maybe even eventually a head coach, you're just kind of working your way up the ranks. It's not like you're working less months out of the year being the quarterbacks coach. Maybe it's a little bit less intense that you don't have control over everything, but it sure also probably doesn't pay as much <laughs> is my guess as well. So uh, I don't think that's a crazy idea by any stretch right there. Somebody said too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, it wasn't when Trevor had an outstanding second half of 2022. Right. And in fact, a lot of the credit was directed towards the fact that they put together this group with Doug Peterson, former quarterback, Press Taylor, former quarterback, Mike McCoy, former quarterback, Jim Bob Cooter, former quarterback. He had all these guys helping nurture Trevor Lawrence. And it never seemed like he was feeling like there were dissenting voices coming you know it seemed like there was one vision and they all were there as as whether his sounding board and and just utilizing their experience to help him in the early stages of NFL career and it worked to great effect so um I think it's as much about getting the right mix of guys as compared to how many there is a limit after a certain point it seems absurd right and but Certainly, OC, quarterback's coach, is not an absurd level. No. And passing game coordinator, I would imagine most NFL teams have one. At the, in fact, now it's become specified. you got your defensive mm-hmm. passing game defensive coordinator, your run game defensive coordinator. you got all these different areas of specialization that are broken down. And maybe it is, at times, a little over the top, but it, it definitely worked here in 2022 for the Jags. So if you have the right guys, I'm not opposed to that structure at mm-hmm. all. Uh, Tony will take you around the league when we come back. we got to get to today's Chet and Sandy real estate question of the day, the opposite of yesterday's. Yesterday we asked you for guys that exceeded expectations. Today's about the ones who failed to live up to them. We'll continue to discuss. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, we continue along. Uh, some interesting ones on the text line designed by the Lifetime Enclosures today. Somebody mentioned we were talking about the running back depth chart. Mm-hmm. Going to have to probably get a veteran to replace Dearness Johnson. Somebody mentioned Ezekiel Elliott if he came cheap. Well, that, that's always a key. If he came cheap, I think that'd be a great fit. I'd sure. love Ezekiel Elliott in that Dearness Johnson kind of role where – he could, you know, play a little on third down. He's a good pass catcher. He could be a goal line guy. He could spell you, you know. He could take a series or two off your hands every game if you needed to. I thought he played well in the second half of the year, yeah. Uh, this year, so I wouldn't be opposed to a guy like that. The price has got to be right, you know. Yeah, I um, think he
2: was three million this year. Yeah,
0: that that's too pricey for me. Yeah, but you know, that was with not a lot of suitors, and he did make three million. You know, you wonder if. He's willing to play for veteran minimum. How, might be a lot of suitors out there, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I certainly think Jacksonville would be more attractive than playing in New England in the short term for a guy like that who's got to be year-to-year at this stage of his you career. think, yep. Anyway, just a a person to mention, uh, not fixate on. And that's one thing. Don't fixate on the names you hear in these mock drafts, right? It's like uh, so-and-so said we should take s- this guy. Focus more right now. If you want to give a mock draft any validity, which seems like a funny sentence to even say, right? Yes, it they're, does. they're just yeah. kind of projections. But as long as they're getting a need right for your team, you may disagree with, well, I don't think corners are top priority. Or I don't think wide receiver, I think that's too much of a luxury. Or we have to get offensive line. We have to do, or you know, we still didn't address the pass rush last year. Like Hayes mentioned Jared Verse. I just can't see him doing it, Tony. I can't see mm-hmm. last year. Given so little effort to improve the pass rush, and Trent will tell you, we talked to a lot of guys. That was a bad trend. Uh, anyway, you know, <laughs> we talked to a bunch of guys, and but how aggressively did you go after him? Then sure. your, your top two guys turned around and had the best combined sack season in the history of the franchise. I doubt they're going. Well, now we really got to address it, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I Jared Verse can be sitting there. He can be a special player, or maybe not. Right. I mean, plenty of guys that are. Yeah big time producers in college uh, yeah. don't do it at the pro level I
2: think versus a good enough player and prospect that if he's still there at 17 even with needs still there i think the the position has enough value that that's something you'd really have to think about like, i think, i
0: agree with that i right? just have a hard time believing bulky would go that route i I'm with you there you know just just yeah. saying that I'm with you like a, a rational person and I would think even bulky would have to consider it well yeah this is this but you do have to take into it. Now, look, if he is, just making up numbers, if he's rated 90 on your board sure. and the next best is 74, yeah, you're going to take Jared Verse. But it mm-hmm. would have to be a situation like that. Or if something like that happens, A, why did he fall to 17? Because right? elite pass rushers often don't. Sure. But if he does, is there a trade market for him where maybe you do trade back a little bit and it becomes a little bit more palatable now to take an interior offensive lineman in the first round, maybe even a wide receiver, um, and go that route, um, look, what's going to happen in free agency? All that's going to happen first. That's yep. going to impact what your needs are, no what doubt. your desires are. Uh, somebody, For instance, on the part about getting locked in on a name, on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, I'm seeing Nate Wiggins, the corner, in mock drafts. It's a splash, but would an offensive line or pass rusher be better? Uh, better? Uh, it's kind of like... A year from now, if Darius Williams is gone and Tyson Campbell gets a contract extension, you're going to look up and you're going to go, man, where are all the corners on this team, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to bring in corners this season. How highly in the draft they go, and do they address any of those with veterans? That's the question. What's the mix of guys? But, uh, I mean, I don't look at it as a luxury if they take a corner in the first round.
2: No. Uh, It speaks to... The, uh, the conversations that we've had to this point about picking a number 17 in the draft. Generally speaking, picking in the middle of the first round, picking in the first round at all, but generally speaking, the value in the first round of the draft is going to be found at quarterback, it's going to be found at pass rusher, and it's going to be found at corner.
0: right? And left tackle.
2: Right. Like Those are the spots where you're talking about. Well, there's only one of those spots that the Jags would put among their top needs. Right, like it may not be the top need at corner. That may not be the thing they need to have this year. That fits everything for you. It, I agree. Interior offensive line is a bigger need than corner is for it the Jacksonville may not Jaguars. Be
0: a better value,
2: right? Interior defensive line, I think, is a bigger need than corner for the football team. But I don't think you can find as good a value at those two spots potentially as you can at corner. Picking 17 in the NFL draft. Now, you have to have the list of guys that you think are the better values at the spots that you consider to be bigger needs for the football team. And if they don't meet that, then you say, well, what's it look like on day two? Right? Or what's it look like in free agency that we really need to be locked in on? If we're going to improve on the interior of the offensive line, maybe our best option really is to pay X guard. Right. Like maybe that is what they wind up doing, but that all has to be getting done now. And you just, we're still months away from the draft. Free agency oh, sure still has to happen, and it has a big impact on all that. It but, does,
0: but the draft is more fun. But it is. I think the people, like in general, yeah. right? Because you
2: got that one pick. I get it. And for the fans that are out there saying, well, I don't think corner is as big a need. I don't disagree. I don't think corner is as big a need as interior offensive line, but the value at corner likely is better than whatever interior offensive lineman you're getting there. Now, if you're talking about maybe a guy that's going to come in and start at right tackle, that's different. Yeah. Like, you may be able to find somebody at 17 that does that, and it's like, Anton's the left tackle. Cool. Right? I can see them going that direction with it. I think that is more likely than guard or center at 17 for the team, is them taking somebody that they feel oh, like can be day sure. one right
0: tackle. I, I don't think they'll take a center at 17. I don't either. Uh, if they take one, I think it'll be – considerably later at this point. And who knows? Maybe they re-sign Ezra Cleveland, uh, and we don't know what else. To, and then they feel like, all right, we've got to get one guard. We'll get a guy in the middle rounds and sure. come in and compete with Cooper Hodges and maybe another vet that we bring along, and we'll throw yeah. him in the mix. And I'm not saying that's the best formula for success. I'm just trying to anticipate different thought yeah. processes that and they might go through. It's
2: still early in the process with all this, but I don't see a whole lot of big men on defense being talked about. No, in the first round at all. It just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of those guys even available.
0: Here's somebody just sent me their Jaguar mock from uh, PFF. You know, you can do your own little mocks and you make your pick, and then they'll simulate the other picks and what have you. Uh, they went with Brian Thomas, the LSU receiver in the first round, who's gotten a lot of first round buzz. Mm-hmm. Right then they went with Keon Coleman, the Florida State receiver in round two. Whoa. Well, I don't think That's they double down yeah. there and. That's the thing with some of these mock draft simulators. What is the likelihood that Keon Coleman's available? Maybe he will be. PFF's big board has him ranked as the 40th best player. You see plenty of projections where he's off the board Mm -hmm. by the time the Jags pick or certainly shortly off the board afterwards, after the 17th pick goes by. Uh, Adam going D-line in the third round and then tackle with the compensatory pick. Of course, one of those picks they're not going to have right it's likely going to be that 79th pick um that they just won't have that because that's part of the Calvin Ridley compensation which again i mean it seems like as we talked with Hayes a pretty simple formula get Josh Allen's deal done so you can focus on Ridley if you have to franchise tag him i don't want Ridley to leave i don't want to create that hole
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't necessarily want to sign him to a 4 year 80 million dollar deal i don't know what he's going to seek but i'd be willing to pay him a one-year franchise tag number with the idea that we could work out something that would make sense for both sides on a longer-term deal and then maybe still go out and draft a position. But I want a guy who's ready to go right now with Trevor Lawrence opposite Christian Kirk, particularly if Zay Jones is not back on this football team well, as a cap catch.
2: Well, yeah, and if you're going to do that, just, there just aren't many options. Not right? to like, fill it
0: with with a veteran who's played.
2: Yeah, like it's it's Calvin Ridley and Marquise Brown you know, and those, are at least the two guys that fit that kind of profile for you, like, there's just not a whole lot that's going to be available in free agency. Beyond that, you're talking about guys like Gabe Davis. And I'm not saying Gabe Davis is a bad player. He's got a role in an offense, but he's not the role that I think the Jags would likely be looking for. And if you can't get something done with Calvin Ridley, I'm fine if they turn to, you know what, it's time for us to draft and develop somebody at that position. You know, we have to figure something out in the draft at that spot. Right. that doesn't well, have to be it, in the first round. You can find guys day two and three of the draft that come in and have big impact in that position because of the way college football works now more than ever. You can also
0: draft a tight end that catches five balls you can. as a rookie. You yeah. can draft a running back that oh, they is get a it right. healthy yeah. scratch. Uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, I, granted, obviously they have to get it right, but it, like I have low confidence in that being the case. Sure. That's why for this team, knowing what Ridley can do after a two-year layoff uh, if I could get Calvin Ridley signed for. A th- now, again, th- Calvin Ridley's going to want as much money as he could possibly get, and mm-hmm. he should. I understand that. Like, from the team's perspective, if I could get him signed to a three year deal like the last year's Voidable, that would be probably ideal for him. That'd me. be great. Have yeah. him for the next couple of seasons and uh, see. And if he, you know, really bounces back to major form, that 1,300 plus yard form, fine. Maybe you keep him around for the full length of the contract. Uh, we'll take a look. We got to go around the league and we'll take a look at uh, your responses. We've got ours as well to today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, asking you which three Jaguars, uh, how do we phrase it, fell the most short of your expectations in 2023. This is Jaguars Today, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan, Denmark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, yeah, I want to
3: shoot. Baby, Jaguars today on 1010XL, 10, 10 92.5 FM. On the text line designed by
0: Lifetime Enclosure is talking about the running back depth chart.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: No two pieces of it heading into the offseason. Why can't Dearness Johnson fill the Dearness Johnson role next year? Well, he can. He can. If they bring him back. He's a free agent. He's on a one-year deal. Last
2: I'd year, be in so. favor of it. And
0: yeah. That's fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it's going to be a cheap bet. Somebody just brought up the idea of Ezekiel Elliott. I'd rather have Ezekiel Elliott. But, I'm not willing to pay $3 bucks for a backup running back. It's not the money. It's not my money. I don't care. I'm not willing to allocate that much of my salary cap to a backup running back. I'm with back. you. Yep. Especially when I just invested a third-round pick in one Tank Bigsby, whose name's going to come up again in this segment. I have a feeling. Uh, but before we get to today's question of the day, Tony's going to take us for a look around the National
3: Football League. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Kansas City defensive end Charles Amenehu
2: suffered a torn ACL on Sunday in the AFC Championship game. Obviously, he'll miss the Super Bowl as a result of that injury. It leaves his status for the beginning of next season in doubt. Amenehu signed a two-year, $16 million deal with the Chiefs in free agency last summer. So one year left on that deal. Following a post on Instagram Sunday morning, where allegedly Chiefs wide receiver Kadarius Toney was a voice. It wasn't his face, so some are asking whether or not it was him, but said that he doesn't have the injuries that the Chiefs have listed with him the last few weeks, including this weekend for the AFC Championship game. Head coach Andy Reid said on Monday, quote, he's been on the injury report, so that part is not made up by any means. And quote. Reid also went on to say that Tony will be back on the practice field this week. Tony did also welcome a daughter to the world on Sunday morning, so congratulations to Kadarius in that regard. And the L.A. Chargers are expected to hire Joe Hortiz to be their new general manager. Hortiz has worked as the Baltimore Ravens director of pro personnel since 2019.
0: Uh, Kadarius, Tony, man, I feel like he just – somebody handed him a check it said future earnings, and he's like, can I borrow your lighter real quick? Uh, just up in flames. Like, what do you – what are you doing? There were so many people
2: that you could watch, like the national programs on ESPN and NFL Network, when the trade happened with Kadarius Tony being sent from the Giants to the Kansas City Chiefs, there were so many people that were like, this is what Mahomes was missing. This is going to revolutionize that Chiefs offense. It's like, based on a game?
0: That he had with the Giants. Right, he had one big game. You don't think that would revolutionize the Giants offense like if what, he could produce like what that What are y'all seeing that just it's not translating
2: to the field? And, look, this season's been rough, Gadarius, since week one with the drop that led to the interception, that led to the loss against Detroit week one on that Thursday night opener. Nothing's gone right. To
0: lining up offsides on yeah. what could have been the NFL play of the year. Yeah. You know, and Kelsey threw him that lateral and uh, I just – I, I listened to that audio yesterday, and just hard to like. What are you thinking? Obviously, yeah, not the brightest guy in the world. Stop uh, the cap. Uh, <laughs> no, there's no cap involved now. No, no capping. Okay, no capping. All right, stop it. All right, and that that was about the nicest They're thing about he to said.
2: Save cap and walk away. In there. Yes. Well, they
0: are say salary cap. That's right. there' no cap hit. Is uh, what what we call you around these parts. Um, all right. Um, another one here. You know. With the men of you uh, getting injured, we mm-hmm. have already seen, oh, go sign Frank Clark, go sign Frank Clark. It would just be just like Kansas City to sign Frank Clark and all have two sacks in the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Frank Clark stunk out loud this year. And yeah. I, I'll say this, give, I, on occasion, you've got to give credit where credit's due, grudgingly, right? And I know this, that Trent Paulkey was asked about Frank Clark this offseason and I basically felt like he had nothing left to give. You know, and you would look. Well, wait a minute. The guy had a couple of sacks in the Super Bowl last year, yeah. right? He's been really good in the postseason. Well, a, we didn't get there. Uh, but B, Frank Clark ended up being a healthy scratch a bunch this year. He played in eight games. He had no more than two tackles in any game. Didn't have a single sack. Yeah. So in that instance, you know, as and I'll admit, uh, I'm I would have been all right. He's at least tried something. If mm-hmm. he tried that, it would have been the wrong move. The couple of players we know that they
2: at least showed some interest in. Clowney. Clowney. Daniil Hunter. And yeah, and Calais, Calais. right To some degree. Like, at least these players. Had good years. Worked. Yeah. Right? Like, where they wound up, they weren't complete nothings. And Frank Clark wound up being. It doesn't mean that either one of us agree with them not having done anything at the position when everything is said and done. But not doing it with Frank Clark was
0: Evidently, the right decision. Right, and and that, but by saying that, acknowledging, yeah. like, I just think that's the bottom. Wait, I don't really think that. Some of you probably would, but I don't really think you want to tune in every day and we're just like, fire this guy, fire this guy, fire this guy. Nothing he does is right. Nothing he does is good. Nothing, whatever. I mean, just it's fine that we may not like the overall direction that Trent bulky has taken the roster, mm-hmm. but it's okay to acknowledge when he, oh, the, you know what. All right. Evan Ingram was a good signing, right? It's okay to yeah. do that. Nobody's trying to make the case that we should all rally behind Trent Balky. I mean, we don't have a choice. We don't have to rally behind him, but no. that He's looks like we have a choice. And, and I would just, again, yeah. hope that he makes more good Frank Clark doesn't have it decisions. Evan Ingram does have it decisions. than the alternatives yes. right now. Uh, let's get to today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Let's uh, give you our 10-10 take on it. 10, 10, 10,
3: 10, take now Mike Dempsey's 10, 10 take brought to you by Leonard truck accessories.
0: All right. Uh, let's jump in here. Today's 10, 10 take Tony. I, I think you can go a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try for the most part to avoid, uh, injured players in this category. And it's tough because like it's Trevor Lawrence, an injured player at four different injuries. Sure. He played all oh, but one game, I don't consider him an injured player. Today's question of the day, presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate, which three Jacksonville Jaguars fell the most short of your expectations in 2023? For me, I'll put Trevor at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't mean he had the worst year of any Jaguar. I just had really, really high expectations that this touchdown total would be, you know, low 30s at a minimum. You know, maybe throw 35, 36, but, but – Keep those interceptions low. I didn't expect him to just instantly double the fifteen and two, so we only throw four interceptions for a whole season. That last nine game stretch in twenty twenty two, but I did expect more, more consistency, more big plays. Uh, Granted, we know all the reasons. We discussed them all. Offensive line, receivers running wrong routes. Some of it's on Trevor. Uh, And bottom line is, if you're just grading. What he did on the field mm-hmm. wasn't up to my expectations this year. Tyson Campbell is a little trickier because he did have some injuries, but I just felt like when he played, there was so much talk last season. Oh, he's going to prove he's the top five corner in the league. I don't know how you prove that anyway. Like, that's kind of a subjective ranking, but yep. I don't have that feeling that anybody's staying up late at night trying to worry about what Tyson Campbell is going to do to wreck their offensive game plan. I hope that that will change. In 2024, and I'm going to put Tank Bigsby on here just because, and look, we generated some of that expectation, but it wasn't that we just picked the name off the roster and said, let's hype this guy up. We saw him with our own eyes in practice, and he looked good, and the team was buzzing about him, and then, you know, one or two little turnovers, ball security issues. I don't know if it was confidence loss or the team just lost confidence in him, but basically did nothing uh Mm -hmm. of consequence and thought he would form a one-two punch with Travis Etienne at times and at times he was just a healthy scratch so I'll give you Trevor Tyson and Tank the three T's Tony who you got for you uh
2: the three my top three would be Trevor Lawrence at the top of the list for all the reasons that we just went through right there Tyson Campbell number two on that list for me and at three I'd put Luke Fortner even, I didn't think he had a spectacular rookie year, but I expected, okay, you know, year two. You got a year. Some
0: step in the You're in the building, direction. right? I yeah. expected
2: improvement from him and got none of that over the course of the year. The only positive thing you can say about Luke Fortner is he started all 17 games, right? Like, that's. Availability. He, he was available. Is the uh, best. Through his ability. first couple of years, but I would put him third on that list for me. I gonna say,
0: actually, if you stink, availability is not the best ability. It's not helping right. as much way, as it could. Luke Fortner got more football talent in his pinky toe sure. than I have ever had in my body and yeah. not suggesting otherwise. Uh, here's some of the responses we got from Doom. Uh, Doug Peterson, Mike Caldwell, Tank uh, Bigsby. Look, I, I get it. And it, it. It was totally fair game. Coaching staff, front office, any of that. Okay? And it, based on your expectations. Yep. Uh, from Deedster, uh, Campbell, Cisco, and Lawrence. Uh, let's see. Trevor, Tank Walker Little, that's another good one. You know, yeah. the great opportunity to take over a, a role and make it yours on this team. And right now, I just don't know what he's going to be. Um, Sheriff, another mention. Fortner mentioned. Uh, Ridley. That that one, I get it. Like, if you were really thinking you were getting the 1,400-yard guy, I didn't think we were getting that. We talked about him yesterday. I think mm-hmm. he was basically neutral. Yeah. Right? Not – didn't exceed, didn't uh, – fall short. Uh, I basically fell kind of where I thought he would this year. A lot of Press Taylor on here, more Ridley, Zay, Hamilton. A lot of this due to injury stuff, it's tough to know exactly what they would have done. Like I don't know what kind of season Devon Hamilton would have had if he didn't have that that, uh, situation going on there. Brenton Strange, Tank Bigsby. I mean, look, yeah, you draft a guy in the second round, it's fair to have some expectations for his production. Absolutely. Not questioning that at all. So, uh, if you haven't replied, you're certainly welcome to at MD underscore 1010 10, XLs, where we've got that up there for you. As uh, our time draws to a close, let's say hello to Big Surce and XL Prime Time.
3: Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right,
0: Leon Circe in the house. Uh, Gentlemen, Jordan. how you doing? We're doing well, Leon. Awesome, how are awesome,
4: you? Awesome, awesome. Uh,
0: you know, look, this is a question that's mm. – pretty low hanging fruit here but um maybe if give us a guy that's not so obvious that you feel like you were disappointed in what you got out of him for the jags this year you know like oh, it's easy to look at trevor and go man we yeah. thought he'd build off that great finish to the year before but and and we did go with trevor as one of our guys but who's a guy further down the roster that maybe
4: we're not talking mm-hmm. enough about that needs to be looked at this offseason um uh, sheriff sure. i think the right guard a lot was in play. You know, the fact that, you know, you've got Fortner there, you got a rookie in between you could have compromised your play a little bit. He was hurt, was injured, those kind of things. But, you know, when you sign them, you sign him to be a perennial All pro that he was when he got here. And I don't think he lived up to those expectations.
0: How much value is there, um, even if the guy's not playing up to his former five-time Pro Bowl level, right? How much value is there just having his experience when you
4: do have – Two young pieces you, on either you, side. You would, you would think, you would think, I mean, that he would demand more of the guys outside of him, uh, but we just didn't see it. And I don't know if they didn't comply or they didn't they didn't listen, but for whatever reason, now don't get me wrong, Anton Harrison had a wonderful, wonderful season. Right. I, but Fortner, you would think the guard would have a, a, a more of a, lasting, a long-lasting effect on the center and his play and his ability to play next to him at a certain level. We just didn't see that. And maybe, maybe they, Fortner didn't comply. Maybe he was interactive with him, but for whatever reason, it just didn't show on the on the on the playing field. But, uh, but before I mean, but Sheriff himself as a player, I mean, he would tell you that he didn't have one of his most outstanding years that we're used to seeing him when he was really a off.
0: Almost everyone thinks he'll be a cap casualty Amen. at some point Amen. now, which makes it interesting. Like if you move on from Cam Robinson, right, and you save that money, and let's say you play Anton at left, even if you. Invision Walker Little opening the season at right tackle. Like, can you draft a right tackle and have a rookie there potentially? Maybe it's Fortner at center with who knows what at right guard. I mean, they could be mm-hmm. wide open to youth on that whole side of the offensive line. With no guarantee that they're going to be any better at those spots. True, this
4: True, true. You'll be young. You'll be young. I don't know about better. Maybe talented. You I don't may know be about better talent. But. He better be Listen, he better be a plug-and-play on day one. I hear you, bro.
0: But, uh, you know, whoever they take at 17, I hope, is a plug-and-play on day one. And we get uh, they first rounder this year. No complaints about that. Mm. Issues beyond that. All right, Sirs, what are you guys getting into today? Uh, Super Bowl stuff.
4: Uh, I All got right. some Pro Bowl stories to tell, too. Pro Bowl stories. I like it. I don't. I have no Pro Bowl
0: stories to <laughs> oh, tell, unfortunately. I've got a few. I've got a few. We'll be listening. Leon, have a great show. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. There it goes Big Sur's with XL Primetime coming up for the next three hours here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That will do it for us today. Uh, back at it again tomorrow from 10 to noon as uh, we march ever closer a, to the month of February. And uh, we'll something get done in that magical month with Josh Allen and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We can only hope uh, that it will and it won't involve the franchise tag. We will see. For Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark, thanks to Hayes Carline for joining us earlier today as well. I'm Mike Dempsey. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 22 hours from now, right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.